you can do. Then also in uh, September, we'll start Common Ground again. Amen. You got your listening ears on? Let me, let me give you the word of the Lord today. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Matthew 24, verse 3 and 4. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Romans 16, verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Ephesians 5, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Colossians 2, 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. James chapter 1 verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves, that's the scripture. Back in February, second week of February, when I, when I get an uh, uh, inward witness or something in my spirit, and, and we did touch on this in Common Ground this year, but I had these, these scriptures and I, I wrote all these down. And as I was going back, because I do write down and I keep notes as, as something just on the inside, you know, speaks to my heart, I jot it down. And these scriptures I'd written down in February. <clears throat> and so we're going to look at this subject of deception. I don't know how long. It might be just a few weeks. It could be a month. But uh, I want I want you to... You know, I, I gave you that, and I can't expect you to remember all that. But let me ask you this. From re- hearing those scriptures just now, how is an individual believer deceived? What's the catalyst? Who does it? Satan, okay. There's two more. Yourself and men. Satan working through men. And so the scripture talks about <clears throat> being deceived, and it's a sign of the last days. And, and uh, so we're going to look at this. We're going to define it. And uh, I want you to pay attention. And uh, 
you say, well, I'll never be deceived. Then get in line for prayer. What Peter say? Yeah. And so we have to be careful because there are false prophets and false teachers and false apostles and 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 they're going to give you what they say is the word of the Lord when in all reality they're deceiving you and seducing you and lying to you. And <clears throat> how how does the secret service discover um, counterfeit currency. How, what would you do if you were going to, if you were in charge of that department and, and had to learn how to spot? Yeah, right, compare it to, to the real. What would you study to know if it was real or false? The real thing. The real thing. You know, I've been in antiques for a long time, and and you can look at something and you can think, oh, yeah, that's good. Then you get it home. Have you ever gone to garage sale, ever gone somewhere, and you bought something, got it home, and say, well, that isn't, that don't look right. I took Mikey in the garage the other day. He came in. I said, look at that piece. Tell me what's wrong with it because I bought it. Didn't spend a lot of money, so it wasn't, a, you know, and I'll get my money back. But I said, look at it. And he stood there. Didn't take him long, but he stood there and he looked up and down and he kind of looked at a, a, a blemish here and pointed that out. And then he looked and he says, the knobs aren't right. And then he looked and he says, that drawer isn't right. Somebody had put a drawer and they didn't belong in that piece. And I missed it. Now what I got to do, I got to fix it. But if I'd really taken the time and stood there and studied it and looked at it, I would have spotted it. And so I believe the Spirit of God is, is wants to teach us through Scripture, but it's a warning to all of us as believers. You, you can say, I'll never be deceived. Well, there's a red flag right there. Amen. Now, Webster defines the word deceive. It implies deliberate misrepresentation of facts by words, actions, generally to further one's ends. Years and years and years ago when we first started and, and we were just married, we went on a, a, a buying trip with a, the gentleman that, that um, taught me a lot about antiques and the antique business, and and we went into this place, and and I bought some banks. Didn't I buy a number of banks? Three banks. Oh, you would remember three banks, and I thought they were old banks. And we got in there, and pretty soon this 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 old boy started looking at them, and he looked at me, and he says, "These, these aren't." His always term was, "These aren't righteous." He was an old World War II officer, had been wounded in battle. He, he was a great guy. And he said, these, we got to take these back. So we took them back, and he, he, we got our money back. But listen, I'm telling you if, you, if you don't know, if you don't know this, if you and I do not know this book and practice what we hear, you're going to open yourself up to a lot of problems. But be a doer of the word 
and not a hearer only. But you got to practice the word. You got to get it in your heart, but you got to do it. You can listen, 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 and hear it half week after week after week. But if you don't believe it and you don't do it, you're in trouble. So it's important that we get to know the scripture. Matthew verse 24. Why don't you turn there? Matthew 24. In verse 3, it says, Now as he or Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? You think that's a good question? I think they're pretty, those, those disciples at times were not too sharp. But they asked a really good question here. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed. Now, I want you to say it just how I just said it. Do you think you could do that? Take heed. Now, in other words, you look that up. Jesus emphasized take heed. If you want to look at that word in the Greek, he he probably spoke loud. What did he want to do? He wanted to get his disciples' attention. What do I want to do today? I want to get your attention. So he said, take heed. Now, this word deceive in the Greek means to lead astray or to wander off course. To lead astray or to wander off course. Now, this... applies not just to an individual, but it applies to a nation. Has this nation gotten off course? Yes, emphatically, yes, it's gotten off course. So it's going to take some drastic measures to get us back on the right pathway. That's why you got to pray for the president. We pray for him every week. Because this nation has gotten off course. That's why Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, Therefore we must give the more, more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. That's a, that's a great scripture. I'm going to read it again. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. Have you heard anything from me in the last 30 years? No, I didn't get an amen. Have you heard me say anything in the last 30 years? Some of you haven't been that long. Some of you have. We won't have you raise your hand. Have you heard me speak this scripture, the book? But the Bible says if we don't take heed, if we don't listen and believe it and do it, will be like a ship that the anchor isn't secured to the ground, to the floor, and the ship's gone, and it's wandering, drifting. And that's what's happened and is happening now. There's a lot of Christians wondering. There's, they're wandering, and they're wondering. <laughs> I wonder why, why we are wondering. Because you haven't given heed to the things that you have heard. 
I've been thinking about this, and I don't know. Let me see if I can find it. Dr. Barclay said some things. I know he's, he's called attention to it. But he says here in um, number 21, he says, Money talks. We must get the tithe into the hands of the righteous. We can't win a war with an empty gun. I predict believers will begin to see this and become more generous. And, ever, and every pastor did a little dance. But this is what I'm going to tell you today, and you can say, well, you're not Jesus, and no, I'm not, but the Spirit of Christ is in me, and the Spirit of God will speak through me. So are you listening? If you don't tithe, you should be scared. I said, if you don't tithe, you should be scared. Now, if you're a new believer, God gives the new believer time to get it. Aren't you glad? His mercies are new every day. But if you've been a believer in this church and you're not tithing, you should be afraid of judgment. So I warn you this day, and I'm, I'm going to stop, and you won't hear me say it probably unless Brad, Pastor Brad speaks about it. But if you're not tithing, you better start tithing. Because some of you aren't tithing, it's because of pure rebellion. What was that? That was a warning. Do you think I just stand up here to want to tickle your ears and tell you what you want to hear? I'm called to be a shepherd to protect my flock, and I just gave you a word of warning. Oh, he just wants our money. <laughs> you know, it's funny. A lot of people said that through the years, and they're gone, and they've been gone for years, and I'm still here. And our bills are paid on time. And God meets our needs. The, the tithe is to, is to keep the devourer from your doorstep. Look at your neighbor and say, he means what he says. That's right. Rick Renner divine, defines the, re, the Greek word deceive. It's P-L-A-N-A-O. It depicts a person or a nation who, although once established on solid ground, is now morally drifting and teetering on the edge of a crooked, dangerous path. That's quite, That's a good definition because that sure defines where this nation's been. But I, I want to believe the best is yet to come. I'm not a, a gloom and doom type preacher. I, I believe, I, I like, I've watched Rocky I don't know how many times. I'm, I, I'm, I want to be Rocky. Gunner's grinning at me. But I want to be Rocky because he got knocked down how many times? He got up and finished business. And I believe that's what the church needs to do. It needs to finish what it started. Look at 2 Thessalonians. 
We're living in a time, folks. We got we to gotta be serious. I've had in my heart for, for quite a while, and I, but I've given you one really strict one today, and I don't want to give you another one. I don't want to give you two. I just give you one. But I got another one. I'm not going to give it to you because I want you to chew on the one I gave you. Second Thessalonians, look at verse chapter 2. Well, no wonder it's not there. I'm in 1 Thessalonians. I'm still thinking about that second warning. It, pay, it, it takes heed. I got a warning the other day by state patrolman. It takes heed to, to take. I was on my way to somewhere to eat on the highway, and he was such a nice guy, and he... And he was going home. That's why it didn't take long. He gave me a warning. Could he have given me a ticket? Yeah. Aren't you glad for warnings instead of tickets? Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now, we think about that, and we get caught up in, in the visual part of that, in the natural of power signs and lying wonders. Could he, he can do that. You read the Scripture. Even Pharaoh's magicians could imitate a few things. But listen to verse 10. We got working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders, and, everyone say, and... That's a conjunction connecting the two scriptures. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. Say delusion. That's the same word for deceive, the same Greek word. That they should believe the lie and that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You mean there's people that believe the lie in the body of Christ? Yes. When we should be believing the what? Truth. One scripture says, a translation says, keep a tight grip on what you were taught. Keep a what kind of grip? So you and I need to really hold fast to the word of God that we've heard before and received before. And you got to continue with what you've heard. Hold on to it. Don't let go of it. 2 Timothy 3 verse 13 Look there, and I'm going to read you something, and then we'll be done. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now look at verse 14. There's deceiving and people being deceived, but verse 14 says, but you must... You must, you must harvest church. You must harvest church. Continue in the things which you have learned 
and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you've, had, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. So you and I need to continue in the, in the, in the things that we've heard. That's why I asked you, have you heard anything in the last 30 years? <laughs> well, you need to continue in them. Don't jump ship. Don't tune us out. Don't quit listening to the scripture. Good book. Intoxicated with Babylon, The Seduction of God's People in the Last Days by Steve Gallagher. I want to read to you, and we'll close with it. I got other stuff, but we're going to close with this today. He says, the devil has already deceived the Christian church in many ways, paving the way for even greater deception at our doorstep right now. This assault is not something far off into the future. The deception which is upon us is overwhelming and will only grow in intensity and pervasiveness. The church is in trouble for a number of reasons. First, she's lost her sense of the evil nature of sin. Let that sink in. The church has lost her sense of the evil nature of sin. She no longer grieves over sin, carnality, and worldliness. Second, she's become addicted to the carnal lifestyle of cosmos, trading a love of the Father for the things of the world. Third, she's asleep and doesn't know it, mesmerized by the soothing voice of cosmos. Fourth, she's rebelled against God's authority. When Paul described the coming world leader, he used the strongest possible terms. The one who is coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power, signs, and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false." in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Ultimately, people don't believe the truth because they want to sin. The, this glimpse into the workings of the enemy during the great apostasy requires a special examination. The Antichrist will make a great display of demonic power when he breaks upon the world scene, but to limit that display to obvious outward demonic manifestations would be terribly short-sighted and mistaken. The two little phrases, with all power, signs, false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness indicates a deception of monstrous intensity and staggering magnitude, the likes of which the world has never seen before. We cannot even imagine the enormity of the evil force unleashed against mankind when the man of sin emerges because the deception becomes so utterly believable and plausible. It is easy to make confident claims about how we will stand by Christ no matter what. But when demonic powers fill the atmosphere with their terrifying presence, even the best intentions will wither up and drain away. It is sheer nonsense for us to claim we can withstand the power of the enemy in our own strength. Man is no match for Satan's power. It is only by abiding in Christ that we have authority over the devil. It is only by abiding in Christ that we have authority over the devil. How could we say it different instead of Christ? Got any clues? By abiding in what? The word. 
that we have authority over the devil. Although the flood waters of deception are rising, most believers are already standing on the slippery ground of compromise. A spiritual tsunami is rushing toward us that will shake everything that can be shaken. The prospect of this unprecedented wave of evil would not be so harming if the church were mentally and spiritually prepared for it, but the very opposite is true. In fact, there are three prevailing attitudes that prove her unpreparedness. First is the attitude, I cannot be deceived. We naturally believe that others can be deceived not us this is the very attitude the enemy counts on because it lulls people into a false sense of security someone once said if you think you can't be deceived you're already halfway there this is precisely where the devil is many christians today halfway there second attitude is natural self-confidence i don't care what happens or how bad it gets i will never ever deny christ As we know from the experience of the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, self-confidence withers in the heat of spiritual warfare. Those who have a history of denying Christ daily in favor of the things of this world will find they have no strength when the enemy comes in like a flood. If they forsake the Lord inwardly in the daily life now, how will they find the courage to stand for him when they become confronted by the terrifying presence of Satan? This is sheer fantasy. As Jeremiah asked, if you have run, if you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in the land of peace, how will you do it in the thicket of the Jordan? The third cause for concern is the perverse tendency to prefer a lie to the truth. Most Christians think that the most important aspect of truth is having correct doctrine. Now listen, because this is, this is good. We can have correct doctrine without abiding in the truth. I'm I'm pausing for a reason. Let it sink in. We can have correct doctrine without abiding in the truth. Truth has a lot more to do with the integrity of our relationship with Christ than it does with mental consent to orthodox theology. Recently, two of my staff members attended a large gathering of men for weekend of meetings. The preaching came off as shallow. The speakers attempted to whip up fervor in the men through the use of emotional hype. That's the church today. Your mega churches, they orchestrate their services to bring pleasure and to tickle your ears. But to tell you, if you don't tithe, you're going to be in big trouble, you don't hear that. Why? Because they don't want to offend you. They want your money. The final speaker was the late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. He delivered a refreshing message, direct and uncompromising. With humility and love, he told the huge audience the truth about their spiritual condition, what they needed to do about it. Later, one of my staff members overheard someone complaining about that sermon, saying it was was the only negative message of all the speakers. The word brought that day seemed negative to this man because he did not want the truth. He preferred non-confrontive, emotional-driven preaching that told him what he wanted to hear. My staff members came away from the event disappointed in the overall attitude of the attendees. They lamented. It's as if people are now saying, we don't want the truth. Tell us what makes us feel good. When Paul predicted 
what Paul predicted is happening right before our eyes for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Now, he emphasizes what I already told you. One of the greatest needs of the corporate body of Christ today is a love for the truth. The truth is there to receive for those who want it, but the truth hurts. The flesh protects itself because we do not wish to face the implications that come with it. It's easier to ignore the truth or ridicule the messenger who speaks it. My dear friend, you'll either be one who receives the love of the truth so as to be saved or you will perish. You will either love the preaching of the cross or it will seem like foolishness to you. The love of, the, of this world is in the heart of every person. The only way it, it is purged is through deep repentance and the process of sanctification. It must be exposed and expelled. Paul once said, but may it never be that I should boast except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It is the cross of Calvary alone which crucifies the love of the world in the human heart. Boy, I could have just stood up and read that today. Take heed, everyone say take heed, that no one deceives you, the devil, men, or yourself. We'll continue, let's stand up, we'll continue along those lines here, I believe in the weeks ahead. You might not have heard what, what you wanted to hear, but you heard what you needed to hear. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and it, I don't like to, like this fact, but I have, I have offended a lot of people in 30 years. So is your dad. It's not that I have, and more than likely I have too, but it's ultimately the word. It's the word. It not only heals, but it cuts at the same time. It cuts away all that that needs to be cut away. So truly healing will take place. Well, that was pretty good. Thank you. I appreciate it. The choir is telling me how great thou art. Let's, let's lift our hands today. Father, we all needed to hear that, everyone in this room. I pray, Lord, we don't allow the pride of our heart to hinder us from receiving the truth which can save our life. And so I, I pray today, as I always pray for the people of Harvest Church and my family, that our hearts be softened to the truth. I thank you, Lord. Rebellion is bound in Jesus' name. And hearts are softened to receive the love of the truth, which brings salvation, which brings healing, which brings deliverance. So thank you, Father, today for what we heard. Now help us, Lord God, hold on tight to what we've heard and practice it daily in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I, I, when I speak like that, I take seriously what the Spirit of God is saying, and it, it really it help, helps remind me of the fear of the Lord. And we need the fear of the Lord. And I pray that you heard what I said. If there's things out of order in your life, get it in order. If there's rebellion in your life, get it out. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for dealing with all of our hearts individually and corporately. And I thank you, Father, I make this faith declaration that the people of Harvest Church shall know the truth and the knowledge of the truth and the love of the truth will set them free and keep them free. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't see what I can do other than what I just said. God bless you. Have a good week.